Good evening, church. It is absolutely a pleasure to be uh, with you tonight. I appreciate uh, your pastor um, inviting me to come and to, uh, to be part of your missions conference. It's, uh, uh, it's always special, uh, especially this year for me, knowing that you have an emphasis in, in Australia. I've, I've had a burden for, for a long time for, for our own nation, and um, I'm, I'm praying, Lord willing, that uh, I'd be able to encourage you a little bit uh, in, the, in, in missions. The brethren send their greetings all the way from the eastern suburbs of Sydney. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, we, we pray for you guys. Uh, we pray for you guys often on our Wednesday night. You're, you're on our prayer list. And uh, I'd like to thank you um, uh, from the bottom of my heart for, for your support and for your prayers for us and, and the way you, you guys get involved with our ministry. And um, it, it, uh, it doesn't go unnoticed, church. So thank you so much. Uh, for all that you do uh, uh, for, for myself, for my family, for our church, and for your prayers for, uh, for that evil place of Sydney. Amen. <laughs> uh, I had a great time already. Um, you know, we, we get asked to come and to preach and to encourage churches in their, uh, in their endeavors, and, um, and uh, you guys have been a blessing to me already so far. We've had, we've had a, a, a great uh, couple of days in, in a prayer retreat over uh, um, Toowoomba. The, da- the place was dodgy. It was ru- <laughs> <laughs> Like my son says, it's a bit sketchy, right? <laughs> Is it Rascal Hill? So- Mount, Rascal. Mount Rascal. Okay, it was very fitting, amen? <laughs> It's being said, church, that you really don't know someone until you live with them. I've had the privilege to spend two days with um, living with uh, Pastor Mansour and, um, and, and Pastor Hernan and, uh, and, and Brother Barnes. All right, I got to know Brother Barnes very well and, uh, and Brother Daniel. Senor Holowati, all right? And, um, and uh, I got to know them. I'm going to go back to Sydney. I'm going to need counselling. <laughs> I have been emotionally scarred. <laughs> I have seen things that I never thought that I would see. Um, People wearing dress pants with sandals. <laughs> I'm not pointing at anyone. <laughs> and then where's Brother Peter? He came and saved the day yesterday. He brought some, some, some sanity to, to the whole thing. Uh, but it was a blessing, church. In all honesty, I, I, I had a great time. It was, uh, I needed it, folks. Iron sharpeneth iron. And so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. And, uh, and I appreciate, Preacher, what, what, uh, uh, what you've done for me over the last couple of days. We're, we're praying and um, we're seeking the Lord to do something uh, in, our, in our midst. But it was an interesting time. I have a prayer list. After, after this retreat with these men, I have a prayer list which I completely erased. And I, I'm strictly pl- uh, praying for these men's wives now, okay? <laughs> I lived with them for two days. Uh, Poor ladies, I, 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 I understand now. I understand, all right? I, I understand, okay. Look, I want to give you a thought this morning, uh, this, morning this evening, uh, to set uh, basically what is a, um, uh, a way of thinking for the next couple of days. Uh, I, want to, I want to encourage you in how to approach in, in your mind uh, the next two days. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and turn to Jeremiah chapter 8. Jeremiah chapter 8. No better place to be on a Friday night than church, folks. Jeremiah chapter 8. We're going to read just one verse by way of introduction. And it is very much a practical message uh, this, um, uh, this evening. Again, been seeking the Lord, and, and He laid this on my heart. 
from Jeremiah chapter 8, and uh, in particular with the burden that, uh, that, uh, that we have. And, uh, uh, now, missions is about the world, yes, but uh, in particular we're going to focus a little bit on Australia uh, in the next couple of days, Lord willing, okay? And uh, in Jeremiah chapter 8 and, and verse number 20, there's a, there's a verse that you guys know well, and uh, the scripture says there, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not, and we are not saved. So just be, this is written by the prophet Jeremiah just before the fall of Jerusalem, um, circa 586 BC. And Jeremiah's ministry uh, was, mer- was very much one of, of warning the people uh, that God was going to send uh, judgment at the hands of the, of the Babylonians to punish uh, God's people for their indifference towards their God. Um, now, when Jeremiah proclaimed this, uh, his, 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 emph- his emphasis made him a very unpopular man. Um, he, he was hated by, by kings. He was hated by the priests. Uh, he was uh, hated by the general population. Um, he, he, I mean, they took him and, and they, imprisoned, they imprisoned him for... Um, uh, for preaching that uh, that they should not, uh, you know, with size, eventually judgment came to the people uh, when uh, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar he uh, besieged Jerusalem and uh, he he overtook them and eventually the Israelites were taken uh, into into captivity. And that's where uh, Jeremiah writes eight uh, Jeremiah chapter eight and verse twenty. The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we're not saved. Why don't we pray and then we'll get stuck in it. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you this evening for, uh, for the focus that we can just come uh, this evening to, to, to look at missions, uh, to encourage our hearts in, in the heartbeat of God, and that's just to get the gospel out. And Father, uh, particularly tonight, I, I, I plead and I ask you, Lord, to, to, uh, just to do a work. Uh, to probably, Lord, highlight um, our own people, uh, Australia. And, uh, Father, we, we just pray that, that you would speak to hearts and, uh, and that you would uh, do, do your work, Father God. pray you would use me to be a blessing to these, my brethren, Lord. They've, they've come out on a, on, a, on a Friday night after a long week of, of work. And I, I just pray, Lord, that you would help me to be a blessing to them, to encourage them, and, and just, to, uh, just to point them uh, to, to the Lord uh, this evening. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we commit this to you in Jesus' uh, precious name we ask. Amen. I'm going to ask you a question tonight. Um, how are you going? How are you going, Jeremiah? Jeremiah. Listen, church, do, do we realize that, that, that we too are, are, are Jeremiah's? Uh, in the context of what we read, that uh, uh, we too have been given a message to tell to our people here in Australia. The reality is, and you know this, that, that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is coming back and, and our people, our, our Aussie friends and our Aussie families and our co-workers, they too need to turn to God. They are not okay. Uh, when you read the, the, the book of Jeremiah, in chapters uh, uh, 7, especially verses uh, 9 to 10, he's, uh, uh, he's, he's challenging uh, the people. And, he, and in Jeremiah, at the direction of God, he tells him, you know, you, you guys, and, and you steal, and you murder, and, and you commit adultery, and, and you lie, and, and you practice idolatry, and then you come and you stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered. And he challenges them. That message of warning that God has put on, on, uh, given to us to pass on to Australia. And we know in context we're talking about the world, but I want to focus on Australia tonight. That message won't make you popular. It's not going to smooth over very well with people. But the reality is that these people that, that we should be caring about, as we just sung, that was a blessing, that song, amen. Um, there is something coming to this nation, folks. There is something coming to this nation that, that you know, empowers into insignificance anything 
that we have seen in history. Oh yes, it's going to be a blessing for us which are saved, amen? But it's going to be a time of tribulation for them like they have never ever experienced before. And we need to change our heart as what, before what we see the people, folks. We need the heart. We need the mind of Jeremiah in this day that we live in church. Our people are about to endure suffering temporal in the here and now and eternal suffering should they perish without Christ, unimaginable. And I read Jeremiah, I've been studying in the last couple of weeks and I see the desperation that he has for his own people warning them of what it is to come. Listen, we need, we need that desperation for Australia Church. So let me challenge you this, uh, this evening. Do you have the mind of Jeremiah for Australia? Do you have the mind of, 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 of Christ for the world? Are you, are you, are you missions-minded? Are we missions-minded now? We hear that term all the time when someone is missions-minded. Or even you may have heard when a church is missions-minded. But I want to ask you tonight, what does that mean? What does it mean to be missions-minded in the context of the local church or the individual? You know, I'm going to be transparent with you guys. I was greatly challenged by a preacher friend of mine a few years ago. Uh, because I thought I was missions-minded. And, and, and I confess to you tonight that, that I was wrong. And sometimes, church, what we do is we, we deceive ourselves too easily, church, in, in the light of the standard of living that we have here in this blessing, which is Australia. And I thought myself, and I'm just telling you my, my situation, I, I thought because I, I supported missions that, that I was a missions-minded Christian. You say, oh, Pastor, didn't, didn't you give your, your, your faith promise giving? Sure, I gave it faithfully every month. I, I, I gave it uh, with gladness in my heart. Pastor, didn't you, didn't you pray for your missionaries? Sure, you know, church, I prayed for them. As, as much as the Lord gave me opportunity, I, I brought them before the, the throne of God. Pastor, did, did, didn't you highlight missions in your churches? Sure we do. I mean, we highlight missions at Lighthouse weekly. Uh, in, in fact, our, our Wednesday night service is, is generally a, a, a short devotion by, by the time we read a missionary letter and, and then we'll spend an extended time uh, in prayer. And, and part of that is, is our missionaries and churches of like faith. And we pray, I pray for them. But I ask you tonight, is that what, it, is that what the Bible um, talks about when having the mind for missions, to being missions-minded? If all I do is give what I promised and, and pray when I'm prompted and do my religious duty to, to the missions program of the church, then can I, can I tell you, church, that they were falling short of what it is to be missions-minded? If I don't think about my missionaries all week and, and just pray for them on a Sunday afternoon or, or, or a Wednesday night, I, I'm not missions-minded. If I don't know the names of my missionaries and, and, and they feel they work, in, I'm not missions-minded. If I only think about Brother Alex when I get your prayer letter and pray for five minutes after I get your prayer, I'm not missions-minded. I'm glad I'm not the craziest Argentinian I know, amen? They spoke about you. They told me some things. I'm not looking at anyone. About a turkey and what you did. I can't wait. He's coming to my church next Sunday. I can't wait. All right? But if I don't think about him at all, only when I'm reminded, is that being missions-minded? And I was challenged about that church. If I don't know a single difficulty or a single need of one of my missionaries I help to support, I, I'm not missions-minded. After being challenged by that, by the word of God, I reached out uh, to some of our missionaries to see how, how they were going. And, and I mean, I, I really reached out. I mean, church, you know, people will generally tell you, if you ask them how they're going, they generally will tell you they're okay. 
But when you dig just a little bit deeper, they will tell you how they're going. And I was shocked, church. I was saddened. I was amazed. We, as their supporting church, had no idea of what, of what it is that they were actually going through. Sure, sure, I, I tell you, you know, we, we knew what they told us in their prayer letter, but, but the personal and the family and the ministry weights and that occupy the mind and the thoughts that keep them up at night, we did not know that. And I didn't know because I never bothered to check. We need to dig a little deeper when it comes to our missionaries. Now, I confess to you tonight too, church, I know that in, in my church, the problem started right here behind the pulpit. And I asked my church, I spoke with my church and my men, and, and, and I asked my church to, uh, to forgive me for that, for, for not leading them in, in what missions should be. And they, look, they, they graciously acknowledged their own part, and we got that right. I asked God to, to forgive me, and he's always eager and willing to do that because, you know, he loves me more than, than I can possibly fathom. But how are we going with, with, with our thinking on missions? Are we biblically missions-minded? Listen, it's not just about my faith promise giving. It's not just about my praying. It's not just about making sure that, that we give to missions as a, as a church. Like everything in Christianity, we should not be doing things just because that's what we do. And if we are just doing missions in church because that's what we do, then we're not missions-minded. We don't have the, Christ, the, the mind of Christ on this. And listen, church, there is always room to build, there is always room to grow when it comes to this thing of, of missions and how we think about things. You know why... As I thought, thought about uh, uh, this, why I, I wasn't missions-minded personally, that is, and, and, and even though I, I, I did and, and I still do all these mission things, because missions had not affected my body. And missions done God's way for God's glory should indeed affect my physical body, my being. Now, our example in missions is the Lord Jesus Christ. Missions affected him. It made the Lord's body react. He came from heaven to his creation to save us. Uh, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It affected him. His mission, church, his mission was to make a way for us to be restored to fellowship with God. His mission was to bring us, to, to reconcile us to God. Someone says, when I could not go to him, uh, he came to me. You understand that Christ is the ultimate missionary. I mean, he didn't just, he, I mean, he stepped out of heaven and came to minister to us, to reach us, to reconcile us to God. Once Jesus made for us a way to, to be saved by his death, burial and resurrection, by, by the gospel, he, he commissioned his followers, church, he, he commissioned all his followers, even those that, that were to come, to, to carry out his mission. And Jesus, in the most simplest of commands, in, in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15, just before ascending back to heaven, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to... Every creature. Ye. Go ye. In Acts 1a, we heard already a little bit tonight, but ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Let me challenge you, if you are saved here this evening, and I pray that you are, if you have trusted Christ, we can accept this command, church. You have the Holy Ghost. You have got all of the Holy Ghost you're ever going to get the day you trusted Christ. And the verse continues, And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the world. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. Going out and putting some uh, invitations. That's the fulfillment of God's command for us. Get involved tomorrow. Come along, come, come and, and, and reach your Jerusalem. 
Now we read these verses, I've read them to you, and, and, you know, and we circle around the missions conference and, and, and yearly sometimes. What does your mind go through when you hear those verses? What, what, what is our thought process? Listen, when we hear the word of God, should, shouldn't it invoke a response on our part? I mean, these are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ to his people, to his followers. A command to us, he said unto them, go ye, go you. What does he want us to go? He wants us to go into all the world. Yes, he wants us to go to Argentina, praise the Lord. But you know what? Church Australia is part of the world. Last time I checked. And he wants us to go into all the world, go into Australia and preach. There's a verb right there. Preach equals, you know, it means means to proclaim and to publish out loud by the herald of something. Preaching suggests the proclamation with authority and gravity to, to be listened to and to be obeyed. What is it, church, that we are to, pro, uh, to proclaim? The gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. The death, burial, and resurrection of, of, of the Lord applied to an individual life for the salvation of the soul. To whom? To, to every creature. Man, he rejoiced my heart, brother, to hear uh, Brother Haycock give us that, that, that uh, someone called on the Lord yesterday. Why? Because there was a fulfillment of that. Just tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Proclaim the gospel. You know, Jesus said to us, church, Jesus is still saying to us, go preach the gospel to everybody. How are we going with that, church? Let me tell you, most of us don't really obey that even among those that we have close, the closest of influence on. I think that's sometimes why perhaps we don't have a deep connection to missions either. Again, we do all the right stuff, but it doesn't affect my body. And missions should affect what you do. You know, the early church in Jerusalem, they they were slow in taking the gospel outside to the the areas outside as well. And and, and this church in Jerusalem, they, they had it all. The church of Jerusalem had, you know, they had, they had one, they had the multitude. It wasn't because of lack of manpower. They had the might, they had the power. And the best thing about them, you know, point number three, they, they had the message. But you know what they didn't have? They didn't have the mission to want to go. So therefore we know what happened, the Lord allowed persecution to to scatter the church to do, for them to do what he wanted them to do. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. We'll have a quick look at this. Acts chapter 8. We'll just read verses 1 to 4. And Saul was consenting unto his death. The, the death of Stephen, the first martyr. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. Verse number three, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women and women committed them to prison. Look at verse number four. Therefore, they that were scattered abroad went everywhere, what? Preaching the word. God wanted the word preached to every creature. They would not, so God had to bring in persecution for, for the will of God to be accomplished. Listen, church, can I challenge you? Is that what it's going to take for us to fulfill the Great Commission? Is that what it's going to take for, for us, for, for missions to affect our bodies, to affect our bodies? Is it going to take, you know, governmental violence and is it going to take, you know, bloodshed? Listen, church, that time is coming. You know, why not reach out now while we still have that liberty, amen? You know, I'm amused. 
I'm amused by, by Christians that declare that they, 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 you know, they will defy the laws against evangelization when, when they're eventually put into practice and, and, and no one's going to tell me that I can't evangelize and then I can't go out on a Saturday and give, uh, and give out gospel tracts. No one's going to tell me that I can't put uh, you know, uh, um, uh, gospel tracts in people's hands and in people's letterbox. When that time comes, no one's going to tell me that, that I can't do that but they won't go do it now when we have the liberty. Get involved now, amen, when we have that freedom, when you can grab your wife and and grab your kids and go for a stroll in in, in the sunshine and give out gospel tracts, put them in a letterbox, give them to people. The great commission of the church is the evangelization of the world and yes, you know what church? It's Brisbane, it's Australia. When God loved, he loved the world. Dare I say, he loved Queenslanders too, amen? It hurts to say that. I don't know about the Maroons yet. When the father gave his son, he gave his son for Brisbane. When the father gave his son, he gave his son for Albany Creek and for Brendale, and for Strathpine, and for Bald Eels, and for Brackenridge, and McDowell, and for Bunya. He gave his son for your neighbours. When the son died, he died for... You know, Australia was on his mind. God's vision is the world, but Australia matters too, church. Jesus tells us plain as day in Matthew 13, 38, the field is a the world. If the business of Good Shepherd Baptist Church is not God's business, then the church has no business being in business. Missions, evangelization is a heartbeat of God. Oh, church, let God's heartbeat in missions affect your body. I want to give you just three simple thoughts on that and then we're done. One, missions starts in the head. The head is where, Lord willing, where your thinking takes place, amen? Psalm 19, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditations, the thinking of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. How are you meditating on on, on missions? How's that going? Psalm 104, verse 34, my meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Missions begins in the head. What are your musings on when it comes to missions? What have you been thinking about this week, knowing that you're going to be here on Friday and Saturday and Sunday? Psalm 39, verse 1, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I sin not with my tongue. I will keep my mouth with a bridle while the wicked is before me. I was dumb with silence. I held my peace even from, uh, from good. And my sorrow was stirred, and the psalmist says in verse number three, my heart was hot within me while, while, while I was musing. The fire burned and spake I with my tongue. He goes on to say in verse number four, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days, what it is that I may know how frail I am. Been thinking on missions this week? Or we just rock up, church? I mean, brother... Um, I think Brother uh, Paul mentioned that. I mean, what is the purpose of a three days missions conference? The purpose of, of, of our missions time is to, again, to educate ourselves, to, to stir our minds, to learn about what the Bible says about missions. And, and Lord willing, the next few days, the Bible um, should be, and, and Lord willing, it will be the, the menu for our missions conference, amen, the Word of God. And if mission starts in the head, then the the truth that you're going to hear, we need to recognize some of these biblical truths. The simple things like that all men, uh, you know, are born lost and then they're dead in sin and and condemned to hell. You know, the Romans wrote, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, for the wages of sin is death. 
and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is again, do we, do we see these verses that it applies to the faces to the people that we know? Do we recognize that church? But we must also recognize that the gospel of Christ is the only means. The only means that, that will save the lost. Listen, can I can encourage you? The gospel is still the only hope for our country. You know, we have a, we have a, it's been um, in the conference, we, our, our state is voting tomorrow. We're about to choose a, a premier. The hope for New South Wales doesn't lie in a, in a change of government. It still lies in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ for the state, for the, city, for the nation. Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Aussie. That's the gospel of Jesus. Australia needs the gospel, folks. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. Australia is not going to find salvation in Muhammad, folks. They're not going to find it in Buddha. They're not going to find it in the Pope. They're not going to find it in Mary. They're not going to find it in Joseph Smith nor in G. Ellen White uh, or the Watchtower Society. No, nothing, nothing, nothing. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And the name is? The Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Jesus is the hope for Australia. Get the gospel. We must all get it in our head that we are responsible to get the gospel to our people, to our nation. And God has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech uh, you by us. We pray you in Christ's deed. Be ye reconciled to God. That's a message, folks, that we need to be carrying to, to every Australian that, that, that we come in contact with. We need to recognise these truths. And then we must also receive it ourselves. James 1.21, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. Folks, listen, we must have, we must attend the next few days, we must come to this place with a, with a teachable spirit when it comes to missions conference. Have you already written it off? It's just another missions conference. Missions conference is not solely for God to speak to someone else, church. Our attitude during this conference should be, you know, God has something to say to me and I will attend and I'm going to listen. God, speak to me. You know, we, we, we can echo Samuel, speak, Lord, for thy servant heareth. We are to receive the truth readily and, of course, that means that we are to receive that truth gladly. Receive what God says this, uh, this weekend gladly. Mission starts in our head. We must recognize the truth, church. We must receive this truth. And then, and then I, I exhort you, we must respond to it. We must, we, we must respond to the truth. I mean, how do I respond to the truth when God speaks? By submission? By, by surrender? Obedience? Response to the truth when it enters our head. When God speaks to us, should be, yes, Lord, obedience. 2 Corinthians 10.5, you know, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Missions must go to the head. Recognize the truth this weekend, receive those truths and respond to those truths. And then let it, point number three here, let it affect your heart. Think. And on the pain of being labeled happy, clappy Christian. Think, but let it affect your heart, church. Feel something. 
Once you have the mind to, to, to receive it, then, then, beloved, it must influence your heart. I mean, it, it, this is also true of salvation. You know, you, you know that some know the truth in their head, but have never trusted Christ in their, in their heart. I mean, Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, the mouth suggests an, an understanding in the head, then he says, and shall believe in thine heart, that God that raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. We understand missions. We know missions. But it has to move the heart. You have to feel something. Can you see, church, the link between the head and the heart? Head comes first, but the, the heart has to follow close behind. The heart here is, is, is your seat of emotions. As you apply God's word to your heart, uh, you, will, you will feel what, what you truly believe. Can I tell you, church, that the word of God should invoke some emotion. If it does nothing in our heart, then, then we are one dead cold fish, folks. It is the living word of God. It's not a dead book. These are not dead verses by a dead prophet. Now, I know we don't, we don't go by our feelings, but can I say faith will affect how you feel. Read Psalms. I remember devouring that, Pastor Herman. You, you've been there. You get some bad news, bad diagnosis. And you read the word of God and God promised to come beside you and to comfort you. And that's not without emotion, church. You feel that stuff. You read Song of Solomon and Lamentation. Listen, faith makes you feel, amen. But how you feel should not affect your faith, right? Why? Because we walk by faith, not by sight. Nothing wrong, church, with being moved in a service, amen. Nothing wrong with, with getting excited at the hearing of, of the Word of God. I love this place. It invokes emotion, Pastor. I was sitting there in the corner, and all I can remember from this, this, this place is the, the great men of God that have had input into this wretched man's life walking up these stairs to come and stand behind this pulpit. That wasn't head, folks, that was heart. It's okay to feel. Nothing wrong with, with crying, folks, at the preaching of God's word. Someone said, I know we're not saved by feelings, but man, it feels good to be saved. Where are the hearts? Where are the hearts affected by missions? When the heart is affected by missions, church, you know what there's going to be? There's going to be passion for missions. The more you know about missions and, and the more you know about your missionaries, the stronger you will feel about this stuff. And, and I know a lot of you feel what, what they feel. How, how, you say, Pastor, how do I get my heart involved in missions? You know what you need to do? You need to put yourself in their shoes. You need to walk where they have walked. Oh, man, you put yourself in a missionary's shoes and, and you put yourself in a pastor's shoes and you will become passionate about missions if you think yourself a missionary. You know, church, the definition of conviction, intense, uh, intense driving or overcoming feeling or an overcoming conviction. Not only when your heart is involved, not, not only will there be passion for missions when, when the heart is in there, but there will also be compassion for missions. Let me tell you, it is impossible to have compassion and remain complacent or indifferent to missions. If you're compassionate, it will move you to action. Compassion moves someone to do something, to take action. 
What did Jude tell us in Jude 1 verse 22? And of some have compassion, making. Making a difference, not just praying for and and hoping for a difference. When you have compassion, you're going to be moved to make a difference. The key to compassion is seeing the need, folks. And if, if, if we blind ourselves to it, we will never see with our hearts. Jeremiah said, mine eye affecteth mine, my heart. What are you looking at? As far as missions is concerned. You know, Jesus, Jesus is our example. Jesus saw. Jesus saw the multitudes and he was moved with, with compassion. He was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and and were scattered abroad as a sheep having no shepherd, Matthew 9, verse 36. He saw, it affected his heart, he had the compassion because he saw. In in Matthew chapter 14, verse 14, and Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion towards them and he healed their sick. He saw, he put himself in those those shoes of those people that he came to save on those struggling and those uh, downtrodden and and those on their way to, and he had compassion on them because he saw. We need to open our eyes, church of what is going on around, uh, not only our, our area, but what's going on in our nation. We need to see. We need to see missions like Jesus sees missions, with compassion. That will only happen as mission affects our heart. How's your vision for missions, church? Are you seeing as Jesus sees? Are you seeing Australia through Jesus' eyes? You know, church, I think that was my problem. I think generally that's maybe, maybe our problem. We are not seeing God's mission field like he sees it. We're not seeing Australia. We're not seeing everyday Aussies as God sees them. Multitudes who are lost and, and dying and, and going to a godless eternity and, and needing the gospel. Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, I know the context of that is not specifically talking about, the principle is the same. If we're not seeing people through the eyes of Christ, people are going to die and go to hell. We need to see our nation this way. Missions must start in the head if it's going to affect my body. We must recognize the truth of missions. We must receive those truths and then we must respond to it. The response comes from our heart. We must develop a passion for missions which drives a compassion for missions. And then, church, the last step here is, is, is uh, once missions goes from our head to our heart, the most practical of all, it must move to our hands. Missions must continue to our hands. When the head is right about mission, then the heart is right about mission, then the hands will follow suit, church. You know, hands symbolize action, church. We, we work with our hands. We um, um, Argentinians, we talk with our hands, amen. We minister with our hands. We, we fight with our hands. We... We use our hands to, 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 to sign contracts, to write emails, to do our banking, to, to play musical instruments. We use our hands to show joy. We use our hands to, to show disgust. We use our hands, the world uses hands to, 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 to show anger and frustration. The touch of a hand can communicate your feeling. Your hands reveal something about you. Job 37 verse 7 says, He sealeth up the hands of every man that all men may know his worth. What do your hands say about you? We have dishpan hands. We have carpenter's hands. We have mechanic's hands. My wife comes home. Um, She works three days a week in a Christian school. 
and uh, she gets home fairly late those days that she works and and I usually open the gate for her to to bring her her little car in and and I come in and and she opens and and I open the the gate and she looks and she goes, you've been working on your motorbike, haven't you? (laughs) No. (laughs) Your hands testify of stuff. Some noted that the position of the hands is symbolic of the position of the heart. A raised hand can indicate willingness to, to volunteer. A raised hand says, you know what, I understand what is being asked and, and I feel strong enough to, to get involved and, and to do something about it. That, that's what God is looking for, a raised hand willing to volunteer, church. Raised hands indicate surrender. And listen, let me, let me encourage you, I don't want to keep it to know, to, to be involved in missions in any capacity, giving or, or going means surrendering your will to God's will. Would you do that this week? Would you just surrender, bow your heart before God and say, God, whatever you would have me to do, I will do. But can I tell you, to raise your hand, you may need to let go of some things first. If you continue, church, if we continue to to hold on to whatever it is, it will weigh your hands down and and it will keep you from raising them in surrender to God. And and listen, God's not going to chase after you. We must come to him willingly, even in missions. Someone said, if you keep doing what you've been doing, you're going to keep getting what you've been getting. You want something to change in your heart and in your mind about missions, then you need to change something. You may need to let go of some things. You know, we see that as a biblical principle. Uh, Abraham had to let go of his kindred and he had to let go of his home in the earth of the Chaldees and, uh, to, to achieve and to go where, where God wanted him to, to go. He had to let go of some things. Moses had to let go of, of the treasures in Egypt. Elisha had to let go of his oxen and of his plough. Peter and John had to let go of, of their fishing business which was quite lucrative. Matthew had to let go of his career in in the Australian tax office, amen? He had to let go of that. Pastor Fisher had to to leave the pastorate to enter into the will of God for him. Pastor Hernan had to leave everything that was familiar to him and to his family. Leave people that he loved. My friend, Pastor Mansour, I'm speaking to him this weekend, he had to leave a career and control of a business that God had blessed him with him for many years. You need to let go of some stuff, church. I left a position that God blessed me for 23 years. You need to let go. We need to let go of some things to raise our hands unto God and say, God, use me. Are you holding on to something that that is keeping you from serving God in in missions the way he wants you to? It may be in you filling the blank. Are you holding on to to something that that is keeping you from taking part in in, in faith promise or or, or in missions giving so others may go? What is a church that that we consider more important than taking part in reaching not only the world, but Australia and Brisbane and Albany Creek for Christ? What is it? Think about this the next couple of days. Let's think together. I'll finish up. Listen, we were given a mission from God, amen? Now it's not the time to eat, drink and be merry. We have a job that God wants us to do. And and listen, church, you have a job that God wants Good Shepherd Baptist Church to do. And it's a job that only you can do. You can't reach souls in the eastern suburbs of Sydney. But you support a guy that can. I can't reach souls in Albany, well, I'm going to try tomorrow, amen. But generally, I can't. But I pray for you, weekly. 
I want this church to flourish. And I want this church to grow with, sa with uh, saved souls from Albany Creek. You know, I found, I found a news article. Uh, don't judge me, it's from the States, amen? Uh, there, was a, there was a council swimming facility. You may have heard this. It's, um, they had a party at this council swimming facility uh, um, at the end of the year. And, and these guys, they gathered together to celebrate the first, uh, the first summer in memory without a single drowning. And, and in honour of, of that occasion, they gathered, 200 people there, they gathered including 100 certified love, lifeguards and, and, and they were there for a few hours just celebrating the fact that no one drowned in their facility that summer. And as that party was, was breaking up and, and they began to clear the area, what they came, they were, they, they were in despair. They found a fully dressed body in the deep end of the pool. And they tried in vain, they tried to, re, to, to, to revive Jerome Moody. He was only 31 years old, but you know what, church, it was too late. He drowned amazingly surrounded by 100 lifeguards as they celebrated their successful season. What a tragedy, church. What a tragedy that someone died and perished with so many around him that could have saved his life. And can I say, church, we Christians are the world's spiritual lifeguards. Let's make sure that we're doing all we can to save those who are drowning in this sea of sin. Be vigilant for those that are drowning in Albany Creek in Brisbane. God has given you the red buoy to throw out the lifeline. Don't be indifferent. During this missions conference, the Lord will call on you to respond in some way. Don't put it aside. Listen to that still, small voice. He still speaks, church. My God hasn't gone silent. Amen? If we have truly learned the truth about missions, we will have a passion to do something about it. We will either be willing, surrender and go, or be willing to send the gospel with our prayers and our money. Why? Because missions done God's way for God's glory will affect your body. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you uh, this evening for this first night. And Father, we just pray that you would help us to, um, to think on what you would have us uh, to do, Father God. Lord, we don't want to finish this conference on Sunday night, leave this place saying we, we, had, we had a good conference and then nothing changes, Father God. Lord, we want to see fruit for eternity over the next few days. So help us to think. Help us to think on the word of God. Help us to, uh, to recognize the truth. Help us to, to discern the speaking, the, the, that still small voice of God speaking directly to our minds and to our hearts and, and pleading with us to, to rescue the perishing, to care for the dying. Lord, our people need the gospel. And you've committed to this church, to this area, the word of reconciliation. Help us, Lord, to be, to be sensitive to that. So, Father, we commit that to you. We thank you, Lord. We love you. And we commit this conference to you. In the Lord Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you.